How'd you guys do? Good? No? Medium? All right. All right, a few announcements before we get started. Um, first announcement, Vince isn't here today. He's actually down in the valley at Redemption Tempe because um, the church we kind of came from uh, was once called Praxis and then eventually became Redemption. And they're actually having their 10-year anniversary. And so he's going to help with that because he was there for uh, a good portion of that 10 years. So that's where Vince is, if you're wondering. Um, Another announcement is on November 23rd, that's uh, I believe two weeks from now, we are going to have baptisms here. So if you're interested in getting baptized, uh, fill out an info card, put baptisms at the bottom, leave it in the offering bin, or put it back at the Connect desk. Um, We here believe that baptisms don't save you, but we do believe it's like a declaration of your faith in Jesus. And so if you've never made that declaration to the body of believers that, now I believe in Jesus and I'm following Jesus— um, then you should do it, especially if you were baptized as a baby, because um, that's just a little bit messed up to a baby. Um, next announcement. Uh, in the back, we have uh, a bake sale going on, and so be sure to go, drop by. Even just donate if you don't want any baked goods. Um, it's to help JD out in a ministry he's starting at Intervar- or on ANU with InterVarsity, kind of um, uh, a ministry geared towards Native American students. And so feel free to Bless him and that ministry, really, uh, after service. <clears throat> Lots of announcements today. I apologize. Also, on November 23rd, we have, uh, we're going to be doing something called Operation Christmas Child um, Packing. So um, basically what that is is, or I don't really know, but you put a bunch of stuff in some boxes <laughs> and you send it to places around the world that need, need those things. And so... Uh, I don't know if we have the card yet, but we will have a card next week that has a list of the items that you can donate. So if you can bring donations, uh, especially that Sunday, 1123, and then stay after service and help pack those boxes, that would be excellent. Oh, we do have the cards. So Hannah up front, she's kind of heading that up. So if uh, you have any questions, look for Hannah. And, uh, and she has a bunch of cards, and she'll have some cards back at the info desk as well. On November 22nd, <laughs> here's another announcement, uh, we have a Thanksgiving dinner going on at the Peak School. I actually work there, um, and so does Nate, um, Zion, our worship leader. And basically, uh, it's in the Sunnyside neighborhood, and we're just throwing a free Thanksgiving dinner, and we need more volunteers as, and possibly some donations as well, but volunteers more than anything. We're just going to serve that community and love that community well and uh, just offer them a Thanksgiving dinner that where some families might not be able to, to have those things. So if you're interested in helping with that, also fill out an info card and put at the bottom Thanksgiving dinner, um, and then we'll email you about what the next steps are. A cool little highlight about both Operation Christmas Child and the Thanksgiving dinner, um, we did this thing about a month or two back called, uh, called a Dream Team Meeting, where we kind of wanted to come together as a church and meet and just talk about ways we could love the city, ways we could, things we could dream up to love the city better. And both of these things are being put on by people that came to that meeting and dreamed, and they're actually doing it. So we're doing more than just dreaming. We're actually putting some of this stuff into practice uh, just two months later or, or whatever it is. So that's, that's pretty cool. Um, so next time we have a Dream Team meeting, be sure to get out there. 
Um, another tradition we have before we get started is we like to pray for another local congregation, another church in the city, because we believe that we are only part of the gospel answer for Flagstaff. And so I want to pray for Canyon Chapel today. Um, they're a four-square church over in the Sunnyside area. And uh, some of my roots growing up through high school and early college was at a four-square church, so I always got to give them love when I can. Um, and then I'll pray for myself. So pray with me. Um, God, I thank you uh, for who you are, and I thank you for Canyon Chapel. I thank you that you have a church that sits right up um, in the Sunnyside area and ministers to, to, um, to populations that sometimes we aren't always comfortable ministering to. And so God, bless them this morning and bless them this year even as they seek you and, and try to spread the gospel for you. So uh, bless Rich this morning. Empower him with your spirit. Let, let him guide his congregation towards you. Um, yeah, and then God also for myself, just fill me with your spirit now. Let the words I speak be what you would say to the, this group. God, this isn't good unless you're doing something in our hearts. So God, do something in our hearts and in our minds and cause us to move closer to you through this. So Holy Spirit, move mightily today. Um, we love you. We thank you. We need you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So a little bit of exciting news. We, only, we have only three more weeks in Romans. How many of you guys are excited about that? Yeah? Sin. That's the Bible. Romans is good, too. <laughs> Tricked you. Um, if you need a Bible, though, raise your hands. Our words aren't working this morning because the internet wasn't working for us. Um, if you need a Bible, raise your hand. Um, ben or one of the other interns are going to come around and hand out a Bible to you. You're going to need it because it's not going to be on the screen. So raise your hands high. and We'll be in Romans 15 today. So a few years ago, Vince, to try to get me to move up here, right, he was trying to convince me. He's like, Anthony, I really need you to move up here. Here's what I'll do. I promise, Anthony, that I will make sure that you preach the same amount of Bible verses that I preach. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. I was a young preacher at the time, very arrogant. And I was like, yeah, okay, totally. I'm on board. But this is what I didn't know. He had a plan because sometimes in these sermon series we do, there's just like one teaching that's an entire chapter, and that's what we have today. So today I'm preaching 27 verses. Thanks, Vince. Um, and uh, I think part of why he has me do it, because if he did it, it would be like three hours long. Um, so, so anyways, we're, we're going through 27 verses today, which is about a whole chapter. Um, I promise to make it um, as concise as I can, and uh, I think it'll be, good. it'll be good. There's a reason we're doing this, though. We're not just like, let's do 27 verses this Sunday. Um, the reason is, this is kind of like, this portion of Romans is kind of like Paul's ministry update letter, right? And if you are a Christian, and if you've been in church very long, someone has asked you for money, and, if, and you've probably given it, and it's usually been like a missionary or someone that works on campus somewhere, at a campus, at a college campus somewhere, and then they'll send you these letters that kind of updates where they're at in life, has a picture of them doing ministry, a picture of them with their wife. And so this portion of the letter is, is really Paul's update letter to the Roman church, right? And so he, he put a picture on it of himself. He wasn't married, so he was just by himself, like, going like this, and just, like, forever alone below it, or whatever, but... And so this is his update letter, basically, this portion of the letter. So in this letter, he'll update us where he's at. He's going to ask for prayer. He's going to ask for money, and then he's going to do some shout-outs to his Rome dogs, as I like to call them. That was a Dane joke. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so when I see stuff like this at the end of letters in the Bible, though, where there's like these greetings and the, just kind of update about their life, it kind of makes me a little bit uh, doubt the Bible a little bit. Right? I go to it, I'm like, God, really, why is this in here? Why, why is it in here? It's just, it seems kind of random. We don't need to know about what's going on in Paul's life. We don't need to know about who he's greeting. It seems to be kind of like a waste of my time. I, I, I don't know. And, and then I think, but unless, unless God is trying to t- teach us something for the, from this, unless God is trying to, at the end of these letters, show us something about the people of God, I think, and I think that is what he's doing. I think he's trying to show us what the normal Christian life looked like. Because at the, end of, at the end of these letters, a lot of times, Paul greets people and he comments on what they're doing. He comments on what he's doing. And it helps us get a glimpse in what it looks like daily to walk with Jesus in, in all kinds of vocations and places. And so I think that's what God is doing here. And what God is trying to speak to us here. So I took a look at this portion of the letter, and, and I've broken it down into in three ways we see Christ through Paul, right? So I, three ways Paul is, a, is an example to us, right? And so really the only reason Paul is an example to us is because we see Jesus reflected through him. And so today we're going to look at three ways um, that Paul lived his life as a Christian, that we can live our life as a Christian as well. And some of you might be going, Anthony, the that's not for me, right? Like, Paul wrote the Bible, right? I write Facebook statuses that don't get any likes, right? Like, I'm not, me and Paul are not the same person. He was this crazy missionary. And, and, and I want to tell you, yeah, you and Paul are not the same person. God used Paul in some ways for his actions specifically. But here's the difference. You and Paul were both ministers, Right? Whether you are, a, are, are working in a library or at a school or wherever you're working, you're a minister of God. Under this new covenant of Jesus, God has equipped all of us to be a nation of priests, it says in the Bible. It says that we're all ministers of reconciliation. In Ephesians, when it talks about um, how pastors and teachers are supposed, what, what their role is, it's to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And so don't tune out Christians right now and go, I'm not Paul. This is not the normal Christian life. Paul was a psychopath, clearly. I need you to say, no, I'm not Paul, but I have the same Holy Spirit and the same God in my life that Paul did. And so this letter gives us a glimpse into what is the normal Christian life for us. And so those three ways I see Christ in Paul that I want to see in us as a church are these. I mean, give it to you up front so that you track with me through the rest of the sermon. The first is that Paul is directed by God in his life of ministry. Right? He really seeks God in his life of ministry. That's the first way. The second thing that Paul, the way Paul reflects Christ well, is he deeply loves people. He seems to deeply love people. And the third way I see Christ reflected in Paul is that he seems to be deeply involved in community. He's really involved in community. And so I hope after we talk about those three things, I get you good, feeling good and convicted, because then I'm going to come in and say how we can really do this. And then if you're here and you're not a Christian, just kind of a little 
little extra for you. You might, you might be hearing like, well, Anthony's only talking to Christians today. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at what I'm saying, look at the people around you and say, one, are these things that Anthony's encouraging and that the Bible's encouraging Christians to do, is it good? Is it good? Does it help people? Is it, is, is it good? That's the first question. And then secondly, I want you, if you're a non-Christian here, to ask yourself, say, why do these Christians do this? Why? What is the point of them doing this? Why do they do it? Okay? So let's get into it. Um, Romans 15 will be in verse 22. I'm going to read a bunch of verses right now, so read along. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain, and to be helped on my journey there by you, once I have enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I am going to Jerusalem bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia, or something like that, have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they, were pla- for they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought to also be of service to them in material blessings. When, therefore, I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. And so Paul, he's giving them an update about where he's going And he says this funny thing. He says, at the beginning, he goes, this is the reason why I've so often been hindered from coming to you. And if you remember last week, the reason was that he was sharing the gospel in places that hadn't heard the gospel yet. He was going going to all these different places where where no one had shared the gospel with the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people. And he was sharing the gospel and he was establishing churches there. And so, what I find interesting here is that he, he continues, and this is why I've been so often hindered from coming to you. Like, he really wants to go to Rome. He, he's a Roman citizen. He has a whole bunch of Rome dogs there, as I said, and he wants to get to Rome and see his people, but he, he doesn't go. Because we see in Paul that his life is directed by God. Right? We see that Paul does not do, take his life lightly. He doesn't just do whatever he wants to do whenever he wants to do it. He seeks God in what he's doing. And I think we need to bring this into our lives. I think we need to look at the directions we're going, the careers we have, and we need to say to God, okay, God, where would you have me live? God, where would you have me be? God, what would you have me do? Because a lot of times I think that we all just make decisions based on what we want at that moment. You just go, hey, I just want to do that. I I just want to go there. I just want to go to this place or go to that place or do this thing or make this amount of money or whatever it is. And and that's not necessarily bad. But if we look at the Bible, if we look at Acts, and if we look at Romans, we see that the, the early Christians, it seemed like they sought God. They looked for what God wanted in everything that they did. Right? Throughout Acts, you'll see that they were like, oh, we were trying to go to Macedonia, but we, we, we were stopped and we, we couldn't go. We were trying to go to Asia, but we were stopped and we couldn't go. And I'm always like, why were you stopped? And later on, you kind of see some um, elaboration on this, is that, that the Holy Spirit was stopping them from going in some way. 
that whether the Holy Spirit was speaking to them or doing things in their life that caused them not to go, the Holy Spirit was stopping them from going or sending them somewhere else. I don't think we do that as Christians. I really don't, I don't, I really don't think we take time to stop and listen and say, God, what, what would you have of me? Where would you have me go? And I think we should, we should, we should do that. And sometimes, you, you know, people take this idea and they twist it and they just make it like crazy, right? Where they, they won't do anything unless they've heard God be like, go there, my son, or whatever, right? And, and, and that's crazy too because we have God's word that speaks to us and we know things that, ways we should live and things we should do based on God's word. And so here's what it looked like for me in one instance. Um, a, a number of years ago, right, I was doing this leadership development group and that's how I met Vince, right? I wasn't going to Redemption down in Tempe. My wife did. Um, before we were married, um, but then I forced her to go to my church. Just kidding. Um, she willingly went, and, uh, and so I met Vince, and he knew kind of some of the dreams and things I, I wanted to do, but for me, Flagstaff was not on the radar. I'd hear Vince talk about, yeah, I'm going to plant in, in Flagstaff, and this guy's going with me, and this guy's going with me, and it was so not on the radar that I wasn't even like, I'm not going with you. I was just like, I'm not even going to respond to that, right? And so Eventually, Vince was like, hey, Anthony, I, I feel like you have some, a skill set and some gifts that could really help, and you can learn some things, and if you want to plant a church one day, it, you should come up and learn how to plant a church right now. Um, and so I said, okay, let me talk to Jessica about it, and we'll see. And so I go to Jessica, and I just said, hey, I, and at this time, actually, we had been praying for months about kind of this transition we felt out of the church we were in at the time right? We, we weren't sure. We, we felt like God was going to tra- transition us out of this church, but we didn't know how, and we didn't want to just be like, hey, we just want to leave, like, because we felt like that, that would uh, not be a good stewardship of our lives, and so we had been praying about that a lot before, and so I come home, and I talk to Jessica, and I say, hey, what do you think about moving to Flagstaff, and, and doing this, and da 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 helping this church start, and she goes, hey, I think it's a good idea, and I was like, okay, cool. Well, that was easy. Um, and, and so then we, from that point, we started planning to move to Flagstaff, and we moved to Flagstaff. And I'll tell you this. We didn't really pray about it. Oops. Um, right? We didn't really pray about it, but we had been praying for months for God to give us direction and show us where to go. And then this opportunity came about um, to, to move to Flagstaff and help this church plant start. And so sometimes hearing from God is just knowing what God is about and doing it, right? And other times it's about actually hearing from God and God directing you to a certain place. And I think as Christians, we really, we really need to start making decisions based on God's plan for this world rather than our plans for this world, right? I'm constantly coming back to myself and thinking, man, am I trying to build my own kingdom right now, even within the church? Am I trying to build my own kingdom or am I trying to help take part in building God's kingdom? And I think that's a question we need to ask ourselves. And so that's the, that's the first example we see of Paul that um, I think we could follow, is really seeking God and in, in our life of ministry. And like I said before, we're all ministers. And so we should really seek God in that. In the rest of those verses, Paul kind of asked for money to donate to the poor of Jerusalem or the Christians there were poor. Something was going on. Historians aren't sure if it was just for the poor um, in Jerusalem or if, it, if the Christians at the time were oppressed in some way and they were poor. Um, they're not really sure. But, so Paul is asking for money for them 
And, uh, and, and what we see here, though, too, this is kind of just like a little nugget under um, Paul inviting or looking uh, to seek God in his ministry is Paul often invites people into ministry with him. Now, if I'm, if I'm one of the writers of the Bible, I, I don't know if you knew that at the time or not, but I'm probably going to be like, I'm a lone ranger, right? <laughs> Leave me alone. I'll write you my letter and you follow it, right? But instead, we see from Paul, he's constantly inviting people into ministry with him, right? He's, even this act of giving money is inviting people into ministry, helps supply the needs of the saints, right? And I think that's something we can also do, kind of a, a sub-portion of this first example, is we can ask people to get involved in things we're doing. I think a lot of my Christian friends maybe don't like me a lot because a lot of times I'm like, hey, let's go do this. And they're like, Anthony, like, I just want to go sleep or whatever it is, right? Well, a few weeks ago, a, a lady came in here and she was looking for food and she was, uh, I think she was kind of in between homes at the time and um, I didn't have time to go take her and get her food. Uh, I couldn't offer her food here. I don't even know if there is food here. And so I went to a bunch of the girls in my RC, and I said, hey, can you take um, this young lady out and, and buy her some lunch? And they, they were like, yes, of course. And they went out, and they bought her lunch, and they hung out with her for a little bit um, before she had to go. And I think that's exactly what, kind of like on a, on a more smaller scale, or on a smaller, sorry, on a smaller scale, Paul is doing. He's, he's asking for help with ministry, and in this case, it's financial. And so like last, those few weeks ago when I asked the girls to do that, it was a financial burden on them, and it was something that they um, did all on their own, but I asked them to do it, and they did it. And so I think that's kind of what that looks like. So seek God in ministry. Um, that's our first example of Paul. Um, let's move on to the next example of, of what the normal Christian life looks like, like from the text here. Um, verse 30 of 15. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I might be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. And we see, God, or we, see, we see Paul asking for prayer. And we see Paul saying that he, he, wants to, he gets life from these people. He hopes to visit them so that he could be refreshed by their company. And I think that that's not possible unless Paul loves these people deeply. And so that's our second example of Christ through Paul, is we see that Paul loves deeply. He loves people deeply. Right, and I, I and you, if you keep going and you see Paul greet all these people, he literally greets everybody and their mom. And he, and he says all these nice, encouraging things to them. And he says, make sure to say this to this person, this to this person, and all these kinds of things. And so he, he loves deeply. And I, I'm a little bit convicted by this. Actually, a lot a bit convicted by this. Because I read this and I'm like, man, I don't know if I— am currently loving people as deeply as Paul is here. I don't know if, there, if, if there's a, a lot of people in my life here in Flagstaff where I'm just like, man, I get life from you, you guys because of how much I love them. I, I mean, what really convicted me is Paul at the end of, 
in verse uh, 16 of chapter 16, he says, greet each other with a holy kiss. I was like, I haven't been holy kissing anybody, right? <laughs> okay, and so, and, okay, so maybe we're not supposed to do that. It's a little, I think America and cultures have turned the kiss into something a little bit more French, and so it's not as, it's, it, maybe that was more of a cultural thing, a kind of a cultural thing they did at that, that time. But I said to myself, well, what am I doing? That's the equivalent. What's the equivalent? And I thought, well, probably the holy hug, right? And so, like, I was thinking, do I do that? I, do, I don't mean, like, the Christian side hug, like, this is safe, right? I mean the, like, never let me go, Jack, hug, right? Like, we're, we're embracing deeply, for, and it lingers, like, right? That, and that's a holy hug. And now, guys in here, don't be like, hey, Anthony said, I can give you a holy hug. No, you can't. You can give me a holy hug. Uh, <laughs> all right? But I was, I was convicted because I, I really was convicted by this because I'm like, I don't, I'm not around just hugging people a lot. In fact, sometimes the thought of hugs, and I've told this to people in my RC, disgust me. And so, and now all, some people in my RC gang hug me sometimes, and it, it's not, whatever. And so I'm convicted by this because Paul clearly loved people deeply. He loved people deeply enough to give them a holy kiss. Paul was quite the social butterfly. And not just that he was social, but that he found life in doing this. And if you think, oh, that's just Paul's personality, whatever. No, he was killing these people before, right? He was throwing these people in jail before. He was annoyed by these people before extremely. His life was about terrorizing the Christians. And now you see that he loves them deeply. So I'm convicted by that. I hope you guys are too. The third example that I see Christ in Paul is, is, is through his greetings. If you go, and I'm just going to kind of sum them up because I, mostly I can't r- pronounce any of the names except for Rufus. Um, he greets a lot of people. And so the third example here is that he, he was deeply involved in community. Here's some of the greetings that he gave. He, he says he served with people. He says people have risked their necks for him. Um, I like to imagine scenarios where that happened personally. Um, he's led people to Christ. He's saying greetings to fellow prisoners, greetings to people that worked hard with him in ministry, uh, family members, fellow workers, his beloved in the Lord. He talks um, about people's churches in their houses, and he just gives like a whole church greeting. He more family, people's moms, more hard workers. And then sometimes he's like approved by Christ. And, and then and again, good old Rufus, um, chosen in the Lord, right? And he greets all these people in these different ways. And you can see that Paul was really deeply involved in community, right? He didn't take community lightly, right? And let's be honest, most of us take community lightly, right? You're like, I'll do my one night of RC, if that, and then I'm good, right? Like, oh, they want to get tacos on Tuesday? No, I, no, that's okay, right? They want to do this? No. I, we just talked about the Bible yesterday. We don't need to hang out. And, and I get well, there's time constraints and things like that. But if we look at the Bible, it really looks like these early Christians treated one another as family. And they really hung out a lot. And that they were together a lot. And community looks different from everybody and, and really seek God in that and what that means for you. But I, I see Christ reflected in Paul here, that he's really involved in community. Right? What's, 
what's funny about Flagstaff, or what I find funny about Flagstaff and frustrating, is it, it's this, ver- this place that people move to, and I think right when they move there, they go, how do I get out, right? They're like, how do I leave this place one day, right? And I don't get what it is, because all my friends visit from the valley, and they're like, I love Flagstaff, and like, I wish I could move here. I'm like, you can. I did. I did. <laughs> like, and so a lot of people, I, I don't know what's going on there. Uh, it's like some kind of weird thing going on, but... And so I, I find that funny because Flagstaff for a lot of people is this temporary home. And so we, I think some of us treat Flagstaff when we get here, especially probably students, we get here and we're like, well, I'm leaving in two years anyways. I'm leaving in four years anyways, whatever it is. And like, I'm not really going to get involved in community. But Paul was a missionary. Paul literally would go from temporary home to temporary home. And yet he's greeting Andronicus and his mom and everybody like that because he has such deep community. Whether or not he's in a place temporarily or whether he's in a place for a longer period of time. Paul was deeply involved in community. And I, I think we should be deeply involved in community because Christ ultimately was too. He, he knew a lot of people. The people knew Jesus. He went to people's houses. He, he, he parted with people in a uh, holy way. So join in RC. Uh, so we get these three examples of Paul, right? Where he, he, we see that, that, that we're all ministers and that we should all be seeking God for what, what our ministry should look like. Right? And then another example is that we need to love deeply like Paul loved deeply. And that we should, we should be involved in community like Paul was deeply involved in community with his brothers and sisters in Christ. But how was this po- all possible for Paul? Because some of us might say, oh, he was a super Christian. He was like a really lonely guy, right? Forever alone picture, right? What he was, but I think he knew some things that we forget as Christians. I think he knew some stuff that we forget. Because all those things, to seek God and where you should go in life, to love deeply, to, to be involved in community, all those things on some level take sacrifice. They take an immense amount of sacrifice. Right? And so for Paul, he understood, though, that the sacrifice was worth it. And I've been convicted by that idea lately. Because I've, uh, lately I think I, I've, I've looked at life and I've experienced life and I ask myself, is the sacrifice worth it? Is, is intentionally living at a lower financial level worth it? Is, is living in a place that I'm not the, the fondest of is it worth the sacrifice? Is community worth it? I ask myself when, when I'm loving these people and I'm doing all these things and then uh, a lot of the people I love or care for uh, mistreat me or make things up about me or misunderstand me, almost it seems intentional to draw some divisiveness between us. I go, is it worth it? Especially, I'm like this kind of guy that that strangers walk up to and they're just like, hey, guess what? I'm going to cuss you out now. 
And, like, and they get really mad at me for like an honest mistake or no mistake at all. And my wife can attest to this. I don't know why it is. And so this was my face. It was like punchable or something. And so, and so I look at that. And so especially if it's happening to me, wherever I am, I'm like, I'm, oh, forget Flagstaff. There are people are being mean. They're in my feelings. And, right? But all these things that God has for us, they become hard because this thing called sin interacts with these things. This, this world interacts with those things, right? I, I, I question, man, can't I keep living this way? I know your word says it's good to live this way. I know that I've seen some fruit from living this way. I've seen people's lives change. I've seen my own heart draw closer to you in all of this. And I go, man, but is it worth it though? And then here's the sad part. Some of my great Christian friends will, will come to me and I'll be like, yeah, yeah, this is really tough. And they'll be like, yeah, run away, dude. Get out of there. Get a better job. Just abandon ship. And I'm like, are you right? Like, and and, and there will be people that are, are great Christians that follow Jesus and love Jesus that are saying this to me. And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm making these sacrifices because I know that Jesus in the end is worth it. And so I, I've had this struggle lately where, where the things I'm doing in my life— I ask myself, is this really worth it? Is the sacrifice worth it? And in the midst of that, I kind of pray about it. I'm like, God, what's going on in my heart? Is this worth it? Am I doing too much? What, what is going on? And I, and I felt in the still small voice of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit say in a, in a number of ways, really, yes, it's worth it. I felt the Holy Spirit go, listen, Anthony, have you forgotten that I'm worth it? That, that, that Jesus is worth all this. So all the sacrifice you make now, all the ways that you live right now, it is worth it because I get to experience Jesus. And what's more, and, and don't hear this as works-based, but as you follow Jesus, as you're God's witness, and as you do these different things, God, there seems to be this, way, this thing that happens where you, you get closer to Jesus somehow. And I'm not saying that's just the only way you get closer to Jesus, but that seems to happen. And so all this sacrifice is worth it because ultimately I'm getting more of Jesus. Because in this broken body, in this broken world, it's hard to fully experience Jesus right now. But in the meantime, as I sacrifice, as I share with Jesus and his sacrifices, I get to experience him and he's better than all this stuff. Having more money. Jesus is better than having more money. Having Jesus is better than having the best friends in the world. Having Jesus is better than living in the best place in the world. Jesus is better. Okay, and a lot of times we look at Christianity and we say, Christianity is just a bunch of rules to appease a God. No! Christianity is that God created us to experience him. That he's the best thing in the universe. And so when we sacrifice, when we give things up to experience more of Jesus, that's okay. Because when it's all said and done, you're going to look back at your life and you're going to say, man, I'm glad I pursued Jesus instead of all those things that I don't have anymore. Man, I'm glad I pursued Jesus because he is far better than all that security and, and whatever else I, I, I looked for in life. And so I think Paul knew that. I think he could do all these things. And, and Paul's life is way harder than my life, right? He, some people think, historians think he had a hunchback, right? Because uh, he was beat so much. 
And still this guy's going on boats, right? He walks up to fires, just hanging out with his friends. Snake bites him for no reason, right? All kinds of things are, I've never been bit by a snake, right? And he, all, all kinds of terrible things happen to Paul. And yet the whole time, as we read throughout his letters, he's like, Jesus is worth it. My life is garbage. He literally says that. My life is garbage if I get to live it for Jesus. If I get more of Jesus, my life is garbage, right? That's what Paul has said. And that's what Paul knows, that Jesus is far greater than anything in this world. I think the second reason Paul could do these things, and this, was, this is the normal Christian life for us as well as Paul, is because of Jesus' sacrifice. Right? We can do these things. We can make sacrifices in our own life because we can look at Jesus' sacrifice. Right? Jesus has made so many more sacrifices than you or I ever have. Right? First, he came to earth as a man. If I'm God, I'm not turning into man. That's my thing, right? But he did because he loves us that much. He made that sacrifice. Right? What's more is if I'm God, I'm going to come to earth and it's going to get crazy, right? I'm just going to do whatever I want all the time. It's going to look like genie from Aladdin, right? I'm just going all over the place. But Jesus comes and he says, okay, you guys can't live perfectly. I'll live perfectly for you. I won't sin. I won't, I won't sin at all. Because that's part of God's character. He doesn't sin. And so he li- Jesus lives perfectly. And then this, it, just, it gets crazier and crazier, right? He goes, he, he go- God the Father is like, man, we have this problem of sin of I just, I want to destroy all sin. But I have a plan. And so Jesus says, you know what? I'll take sin on me. I'll take the punishment of sin. I'm perfect. So if anyone can take the punishment for sin, it should be me. And so Jesus says, I will die on the cross. I'll take the punishment for sin. So he physically is beat down, physically nailed to the cross, murdered, right? That's a sacrifice in itself. But what's more, it says in that moment, it seems that God turned his— God the Father turned his back on Jesus for a second in time or whatever as, as sin, the, the wrath towards sin was being poured out. So Jesus sacrificed the closest relationship he has in the world. The closest relationship he has in the world for a moment in time so that you and I might have a relationship with, that, with God. That's crazy. Jesus has sacrificed so much more than you or I could. And he, and he raised three days later, and, he, and, he, and he's like, now share with me in this life. Share with me in this life. And even now, God is patient towards our sin as Christians. He's patient towards our, our, the sin of the world so that we might be saved, so that we might call on Jesus and say, Jesus, I need to have faith in you. I need to follow you. I need you. He's patient. And if we as Christians, when we made our little sacrifices where we hung out one extra night a week with somebody— whatever it is, we say, would Jesus do that for me? Absolutely, Jesus would do that for you. If we lived at uh, a smaller level of finances because we were giving our finances away or or whatever reasons it were, we ask ourselves, would Jesus sacrifice those things for me? Yes, and he did. So we need to look to Jesus' sacrifice. If we want to follow this example of the normal Christian life we see in Paul, we need to first be able to see that Jesus is worth it. Jesus is better than anything in this world. 
And secondly, we need to see that Jesus made far greater sacrifices than we ever could. Coming back to that, that question I left with anyone here that's not following Jesus, the question of, is it good that we do those things? I'm not going to answer that, but, but why do Christians want to live this way? Why do Christians want to purposely sacrifice parts of their lives? And all I can say is that we've experienced Jesus in a real way. Like somehow we've, we've met the creator of the universe because of the sacrifice he made for us. And that's all I can say is that we, we love Jesus because of what he's done. Amen, everybody else? Amen. Let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you've made far greater sacrifice than I ever could. God, help us and help me to know that you're worth it. That no matter what, that you're worth it. God, because I'm human and and here on this earth, a lot of things look more worth it than you. A lot of things look more worth it than, than living the life that you would have for me. So God, I really just pray that everyone in this room could experience you today, Christian or not, and that we could see that you are worth it. And God, my prayer for our congregation is that we would be able to go out into the city of Flagstaff, wherever we are, and that we would be able to seek you for what our ministry should look like. That we would be able to seek you and how we deeply love those around us. And that we would be able to seek you in everything and see the sacrifice you made for us. I just pray all of these things in your mighty and holy name. Amen. All right, we're going to move into a time of reflection. And so just uh, take some time at your seats to pray and, and talk to God and, um, and talk to him about what you're learning about him right now. And then I'll come back up and we'll move into a time of response.